0: Good morning, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is Monday, April the 10th, and I am so excited about the week we have uh, ahead. First of all, it was a wonderful Resurrection Day yesterday at Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, I know many of you may have joined us by live stream. Uh, By the way, we did have a technical difficulty with the live stream. Someone had uh, inadvertently. We had such a big crowd. We had a record crowd at Plum Creek Chapel, highest in 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 our existence. And someone had bumped the camera, and we didn't notice it. So the entire live stream basically showed our slides and a nice shot of my right elbow. So uh, I apologize for that, but we did do some post-production editing, and you can now see uh, the video of yesterday's Easter message uh, without uh, the lovely shot of my elbow. But anyway, the audio was posted yesterday. I know several hundred folks have already listened to that, but it was just a wonderful Lord's Day, sweet spirit, uh, a lot of uh, great Uh, interaction with some folks. And uh, so uh, it really got me fired up uh, for this week. Uh, We've got a full slate of guests and podcasts and things scheduled. It's time for our Christian Underground News Network later this week. Of course, we'll have our world events update with Randy. Uh, I think we've scheduled that for Wednesday. Uh, I've got... uh, It's Prophecy Night uh, tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday, April 11th. Uh, That's the highlight of the week for me. So if you're in the Denver metro area, come out at 6 o'clock for our Prophecy Night, as I'll be continuing to talk uh, about how the stage is being set with apostasy in the church. And I'm going to focus tomorrow night, by the way, on Romans 13 and a biblical understanding of that passage uh, for those who... uh, Uh, you know, who often misunderstand it and have misapplied it. So we'll spend most of our time tomorrow night talking about Romans 13. Of course, that's live streamed. You can go to notbyworks.org, click the live stream uh, button, and then uh, watch that. It starts at six o'clock mountain time tomorrow night. Uh, But today, I'm thrilled to death to have... uh, uh, we've been promising to have him back for a few weeks now, but due to circumstances beyond his control and my control, we had to delay it. But my good friend Shane is going to be back with us today talking about chat GPT, AI, just a number of other uh, you know things related to uh, this agenda that Satan has to try to replicate life. So I think I'm calling today's discussion: What is AI? Where is it headed? Why you should be concerned? Something like that. Uh, but Shane uh, was on here uh, several weeks ago. He's a technology expert and academician, a professor, a longtime friend, and uh, we worked together for a while. And I just—he's one of my go-to guys, not just for technology questions, but often uh, Bible questions and just. Uh, Uh, anything I want to kind of iron sharpens iron, uh, have a discussion about. Uh, He's one of the guys that I uh, shoot off a text or email to. Just really love him as a brother and appreciate his uh, influence uh, in my life uh, through the years. So we're delighted to have him uh, back on. Shane, welcome back to Not By Works
1: Ministries. Thank you, JB. It's great to be back.
0: So there have been so many developments since we last talked about uh, chat GPT and artificial intelligence. But for some of our newer listeners who may not have caught that last uh, podcast a few weeks ago, I want to take just a moment to give a kind of a high level, uh, you know, chat GPT for dummies, let's say. And so uh, tell us again, you know, what what is chat GPT? What are some of the other uh, similar programs that are out there? Uh, just give us kind of a, a quick sketch of what that is before we get into the latest developments.
1: Sure. Well, ChatGPT is a product from a company called OpenAI that was started, I should probably 20, I don't know, 2014, 2015, something like that, uh, with the goal of um, bringing about artificial intelligence, but in a way that was transparent so that you know other people could see how it's done, uh, understand the risk and, and get benefit from it. Um, their mission has shifted a little bit. It's not quite as open as uh, they'd originally thought. Uh, or originally uh, hoped to be, I guess, but um, so it is uh, based on a technology general uh, category we'd call large language models, which is a form of AI that is good at solving language-based problems. Uh, So it's, you know, been one where we would input text, you know, and user would, would, would give it some kind of prompt, a question, a task to do, and then based upon the AI technology, it will generate text responses. Now, those responses could be, you know, conversational, kind of like we're doing right now. Uh, it could be in the form of writing a paper. Uh, it could be creative, in that it's writing song lyrics or things like that. And it could also be used to generate computer code. Uh, so I, I've actually had it do that, and it it works uh, fairly well. So so it's good at solving language based uh, problems. Um, and so chat gpt that chat piece is really the interface to the underlying model which is called gpt
0: so and and gpt just for our listeners stands for generative pre-trained transformers and uh, each of those words uh, is significant because generative of course means to create or generate pre-trained indicates that uh, these software models do not have you know unlimited access to the internet they draw from a body of textual data that's provided to the ai by the creators so that's the pre-trained part and then uh, transformers and so uh we're seeing a lot of news lately about uh ways in which this chat gpt is um you know doing things creating documents that are um you know, concerning for just one one example that I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago at a presentation I did for Turning Point USA. Uh, but you know, the, the, the obviously since it is created in this case by Open AI, that's the company behind it. Uh, there are some biases there, and one of them was when they asked AI to write a joke. I mean, asked the Chat GPT to write a joke that involves Jesus. It was able to do it, but then when the prompter came back and said, okay, great, now can you write a a joke that is about Muhammad, the AI program ChatGPT responded that it wasn't able to do so because it would be offensive or disrespectful to a religious figure. In other words, the implication being it's okay to criticize or joke uh, about Jesus, but you can't do that about Muhammad, uh, showing a clear uh, evidence of bias against uh, Christianity. So what can you tell us about sort of the, maybe some of the limitations about uh, chat GPT and because uh, to a lot of people that are following the mainstream news, it, it's it's almost like it's a panacea. I mean, you can use it to write ad copy, to write opens and closes for your TV and radio programs. You can you write content for your website, uh, it's really sweeping uh, across all sectors of 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 you know the workplace as a positive thing to help uh, creating uh, creating content. So, what what are some of the limitations of it?
1: So, well, there are a number of limitations. One of them is, excuse me, that the model is currently somewhat incapable of of uh, understanding nuance. Um, so. So it might not understand things that it's um, uh, uh, being asked, or even the you know the content coming back in the same way a human might. So you you, you can wind up with with bad responses. Um, so you know you have that uh, you have the general issue uh, that that any type of AI like this has any sort of LLM is that it can hallucinate, which is where you ask it a question and it presents information in a very authoritative way, but there could be problems with it. You know, the, the information you're given back can have factual problems with it, but the AI is very, um, you know, I know it sounds strange to say this and I'm, I'm kind of personifying it here, but it's very confident in that response. Um, so the hallucinations are definitely a, a risk with any of them, not just chat GPT, but any sort of large language model.
0: Okay. So uh, tell us, uh, I'm just going to kind of yield the floor to you for a bit here. Tell us about some of the latest developments. I know last time we talked, they it was a chat GPT. I think it was version three. And if I'm not mistaken, I think version four is out now. Um, I think I've got those numbers right. But anyway, what are some of the latest developments, some of the things that you're seeing uh, with this uh, you know, large language model type technology?
1: So, so when last time we talked, uh, they were actually in version three point five of of uh, GPT, and on March fourteenth, uh, version four was released. And normally, from a software standpoint, you wouldn't think that you know moving from three point five to four would be that radical a difference in capability. Certainly, it's a major upgrade, um, but I, I didn't expect how much it improved between three point five and four. Um, so just its ability to reason is dramatically better uh, to kind of give some evidence for that would be the information released by OpenAI regarding how well version four did on certain standardized tests, and a number of them, versus the 3.5 model. So just two that people might be familiar with is the good old SAT for college entrance. So version 3.5 was scoring in the 82nd percentile, whereas the 4.0 version uh, received a score of 1410. So that put Uh it in the 94th percentile. So that's a pretty dramatic step up. Um, Another one that's a good comparison is the LSAT. So if you wanted to go to law school, that law school might require that. So so version 3.5 was roughly in the 40th percentile whereas 4.0 was in the 88th percentile. Hmm. So that is a dramatic increase in its reasoning capabilities. And what is maybe the most interesting and in some ways uh, possibly concerning one is that it's now multimodal in that when I was giving that definition of of what is an LLM just a a few minutes ago, that it's good at solving language-based problems. Well, now that it's multimodal, you can give it inputs that are images that are drawings, things like that. And it can then decipher that image, that drawing, and then based upon what else you've told it to do, perform that task. So the first one I saw was somebody drew a image of a website layout, the user interface, if you will, for that website and asked uh, GPT to create a you know write the source code for that website based upon the drawing and it did now that that's a simple application um you know coming up with a UI uh, compared to writing an entire system but uh, that was a pretty stunning development so, so- let me
0: inter- let me interject on that for just a second so mm-hmm. Uh, for some of our listeners who who might have somehow missed all of the hubbub about uh, AI lately, which is just really huge, and, and AI is obviously much broader than just these uh, ChatGPT-type programs, but the idea, just to start real basic, the idea behind ChatGPT, as you said earlier, is you you have someone that gives it a prompt, and you might say... Um, I think you gave the example uh, last time where someone could type in a prompt. Show, explain to me the differences between dispensational and, the, and covenant theology, uh, just as an example, and it's going to write very quickly in a matter of seconds. A you know paragraph or or more essay. Uh, and it's going to be pretty amazingly accurate. And it's not just copying and pasting something that it found on the internet, like the old style type of plagiarism that schools and academic institutions had to deal with, but it's actually creating new content based on a set of data that it has tucked away. So when you say, you know, create this website, you're saying now being multimodal, you can sketch out on a napkin, an idea of how you want the the homepage of your new site to work, to look and then, what scan that in to ChatGPT, and yeah. it will then create a, a a model of a website that you might could then use.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah the image is is uh, uploaded so that the AI can access it, and it is able to infer what the person wants, looking at the drawing just like a human would. Wow. Um, so it's it's that's a, a huge step. It might not seem like that big of a of a piece, but um, it it this is what has made researchers since we last talked. This is how fast everything is moving. Say that uh, there's um that there are glimpses of AGI of artificial general intelligence in this new version of GPT. So when we spoke just a few weeks ago. Uh, when when it was version three point five, I did not think we were going to see AGI in the in the very near future. Uh, just the amount of compute time that that capability of processors to perform these incredible calculations, I just didn't think it was going to get there quite so soon. But I kind of on the fence now. We this is this is definitely it's not AGI. It's not. Uh, that, that ability, then let me define AGI real quick, uh, which is a tough one to define. If you read different researchers, you'll get different definitions, but in general, it's that ability for an AI to perform the same types of tasks as a human being in different areas. So it's not that the AI has to be a specialist, <clears throat> excuse me, just one kind of task, but it can move between different types of tasks.
0: Yeah. So as an example, just to use a real rudimentary example, all of us have seen at at Walmart or other big box stores, those uh, four sweepers that are automated and they just Run without a person operating them, but behind them, uh, run on their own throughout up and down the aisles. Uh, they know when they get close to a a person or to a shopping cart or to a, a, an aisle with, with shelves, they know to stop and turn. And um, so that's a you know pretty basic robotic function. But you're saying this with a, with you know artificial general intelligence and and the fact that it seems to be increasing, you could have one AI that could not only clean the floors. But restock the shelves and uh, and provide customer refunds at the customer service counter.
1: Yeah, th- those could be potential applications for
0: it. Wow. Okay. So,
1: um, so yeah, th- this and and this and this ties into a a concern I have that we can discuss uh, a little bit later with some of the risk to all of us with this kind of technology. And I want I want to be clear right now. I I, I am not saying that we have AGI based upon what we have in version 4.0. But, you know, in just a matter of weeks, I shifted from not thinking AGI was something that was very close to us to thinking that it could be within a few years.
0: Hmm. By a few years,
1: I mean a couple, you know.
0: Sure, uh, yeah. So what are some other um, examples of things that have surprised you about Prompts that uh, Chat GPT has been given that it has been able to successfully uh, you know respond to.
1: Um, what has probably been my biggest surprise is not actually with GPT itself, but with uh, what what people have done with it to extend it. There's a project out there called auto Gpt. it's It's probably the number one, a uh, project right now on GitHub, which is a a source code repository that people can access. You could share your source code out there uh, on that. And so with that, uh, you your computer acts as a gateway between GPT and the internet, the rest of the world. And so there are apparently, and I, and I haven't played with this yet. Um, I'm hoping to start that uh, later this week but you can set up an agent and uh, give it prompts, tasks, you know, uh, so forth. And supposedly it can go and get information off the internet because it's coming from your local computer, feed that back to GPT and have GPT analyze that data and then do whatever it is you've asked it to do. So something that, you know, we had talked about previously, is that GPT does not have unfettered access to the internet. Well, this kind of gets around that. And so that'll be both interesting and potentially concerning to see what comes out of this.
0: So let me make sure I understand that. So you're saying that in this case, the person's individual computer served as an access point or maybe a portal for getting to the internet?
1: Correct. It is, and it's not that GPT was somehow driving things, you know, GPT is not out there surfing the web, trying to figure out what it can figure out, as it were. Um, but it had access to information that wasn't a part of its normal training data set.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, Like I said, I haven't, I haven't tested that myself, but I've seen quite a bit out there on it. And I have no reason to doubt that you know, it's it's got that kind of capability.
0: Wow. So what else have you got uh, that you've been kind of keeping your eye on related to to this AI system?
1: Well, so this really ties into concerns. Um, So like I said, I I was truly blown away by the improvement. First off, between version 3.5 and 4. So first off, it got here earlier than I thought. Uh, I was thinking we're talking July, August when we spoke last. Uh, for version 4.0 to be released, certainly this calendar year, but more than likely summer. But I thought it could slip into the fall. So mm-hmm. it got here sooner than I thought. Uh, it, it's a much more refined model. And kind the of responses it gives are are more intelligent than what we got out of 3.5. And so then at that point, it became absolutely clear that this kind of technology is going to result in significant job displacement. Uh, we are going to see in the in the very near future, again, one year, two years, uh, max, that, uh, that many, many jobs that we used to think were fairly immune to being replaced with technology like this are going to be replaced by technology like this. Uh, traditionally white collar jobs, everything from being a lawyer to somebody working in a call center answering questions, and every point in between can potentially be uh, impacted, meaning you know people lose their jobs because they're being replaced with an AI.
0: Yeah, I flagged an article from last uh, Thursday, April 6th. Uh, this was on uh, Zero Hedge. And it this title of the article is Mass Automation to Sweep Across Walmart Stores by 2026. And it says uh, in a statement, a press release, Uh, They said, uh, by the end of fiscal year 2026, Walmart believes roughly 65% of stores will be serviced by automation. Approximately 55% of the fulfillment center volume will move through automated facilities and unit cost averages could improve by approximately 20%. That was their press release. Of course, they won't pass those... you know those uh, cost reductions onto the customer because the globalists behind all of this are are simply wanting to get richer and richer. Um, but uh, but that's that's exactly what you're talking about here about how AI technology is going to be used to displace your
1: normal flesh and blood worker, right? Absolutely. Um, the, the medical field is going to be transformed by this. For a number of years now, the uh, AIs um, have, and and these were not. Large language model AIs. This this is a different type of AI, but when you look in the area of oncology, um, the AIs routinely beat the world's best teams of oncologists in looking at scans and trying to decipher if this was cancer or not. Hmm. Um, and that you know, I want to say I, I first saw those articles, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, um, and then related to that is radiology. Um, AIs can absolutely outperform humans on looking at X-rays and trying to find anomalies and, and other imaging tests, not just X-rays. So, so in, in
0: those cases, obviously, that's an example of taking technological developments and using them for the the, the true good of of humanity, right?
1: Sure. So, yeah. And there's some wonderful things that that are, are coming out with this
0: yeah, so it's you know, it's it's kind of I've mixed emotions because, in general, the trajectory of AI as it connects to transhumanism and the Luciferian agenda of trying to become like God, especially when you consider guys like uh, you've all know Harari who famously said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I have the exact quote in one of my recent presentations, but he said, essentially, uh, we don't need Christianity to create God. A couple of guys in lab coats in a laboratory can do that. And and that's what they're trying to do is to create God in the image of of man. And uh, so it's overall, you know, my, my sensors are up, and this is a tool of uh, the devil, ultimately, to try to, you know, bring about a one-world system religiously, politically, and economically. But as with everything, Satan is taking what God intends for good and, you know— uh, using it for evil. I mean, you can take any medication that is meant to be life-saving, and if you pervert it and distort it, it can kill you. So the same thing is true, I guess, of of um, technology. It can help doctors do a better job of discovering diseases and uh, problems in the human body that the the human eye is not able to see. Uh, yet, as we're talking about on today's program, there are so many applications that definitely. Uh, give us uh, some concerns. What are some other uh, concerns?
1: Well, so so what you just said is related to my my second major concern, and it's how humanity responds to AI. So when AI is is everywhere, uh, kind of you can't get away from it, right? It's inside of your your mobile devices, it's in your computer, it's it's just everywhere, um, and and we start to rely on it. That is going to impact how people think. How they communicate and and when I think of children, how they develop, uh, we could we could really see a difference in how the brains of children develop when they grow up with pervasive AI like this. Hmm. And and kind of related to your your comment um, about the uh, God being created in the laboratory uh, or in the engineering uh, setting here, I, I'm really concerned about the start of a technological cargo cult. Uh, So where um, AI continues to grow, uh, again, it has to be pervasive, it has to be everywhere. Uh, As it gets more powerful, I believe people will start to trust it in an uncritical sense, thinking that it's going to bring about a new golden age, a new millennium. Um, and, And of course, it's not.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what the whole great last days deception is all about, is people are, you know, Second Timothy 3.13, more easily deceived, and the deceivers are becoming better at what they're doing. So uh, they, they want to use two uh, weapons, really, to uh, get the masses to go along with their uh, New World Order plan. One of them is fear, and so they use things like uh, false flags, the Hegelian dialectic, all kinds of... Threats. Uh, We saw that with, you know, the uh, pre-planned pandemic. Um, But not only do they use fear, they also use trust. And for reasons that defy logic to me, a great number of people still have an inherent trust in. The authorities or the government or the system, or whatever you want to call it. And they they are inclined to believe what they read in the papers or see on the internet or you know, on the evening news. And so, um as they try to condition us to be more comfortable with AI, then it becomes uh, much easier uh, to, uh, you know, to deceive people with AI, and let's talk about that for a moment because I think we touched on it briefly last time. But there have been a lot of developments uh, since then related to using AI technology to to actually fabricate truth, uh, not just data mine for truth, but fabricate it. So, with with the the imagery, they can create an image that looks just like you, Shane. Right? They can yes. create a voice technology that sounds just like you. And then they can put it together in a video package that makes it look like you have committed a crime. Um, and you know we're we're seeing more and more of this. Um, you know, Wendy and I were watching a show recently. I don't remember the name of it, but the plot line was a group of people would use. This was old school, but they would use, um, you know, fabric, you know, intentionally created circumstances to put people in the same room together and make it look like they were talking to each other. So they would, these two individuals have no idea they were being played, but outside influences, in one case, it was a person walking their dog that bumped into him. In another case, it was a, a taxi that, you know, didn't stop when they were supposed to. But in any event, they'd get these people in the same frame, so to speak. Then they would take pictures of it and they could make it look like these people were connected somehow. They were cavorting together, when in reality, they had nothing to do with each other. Well, that's old school. Nowadays, you just sit down at a computer and you can create fabricated video evidence that looks uh, real. So how are we to deal with this? And and to your point about how the general public is going to respond and, and interact with this, how are we going to be able to tell the difference between reality and fiction?
1: At some point, we probably won't be able to. I saw some demos uh, this last week from Nvidia which is a uh, chip manufacturer known for their graphics uh, cards, but those uh, graphics cards that have a GPU it's a kind of like a CPU, but it's for graphics, a certain type of math very, very fast. Those are typically used in these AI systems uh, virtually I you know virtually all of them uh, because of their ability to uh, to perform the math so fast. Uh, that that's relevant to AI, and so they had a demo of taking pictures of a, a lady up on stage, and were able to digitize her and come up with a very realistic version of her that that moves, and it didn't take you know weeks and months to do it was pretty much real time. So wow. you you have that uh, as long as the the physics models are. Are are solid in that when uh, the person moves, they you know they have all the same features, you know the way their hair moves and the way light goes you know reflects off the skin and so forth to to where it behaves like a human. Uh, we really won't be able to tell, you know, things that used to to cause an issue or things like hair was very hard to fake, um, you know, is a challenge to to in a still image make it look real but moving was really tough. Um, they've got that pretty well figured out right now. Uh, certainly that ability to fake voices. I was playing around uh, a few weeks ago with a service where you, um, you record a, a series of samples of your voice or certain set sentences that you have to say and it records that. And then you give them a few days to crunch it. And then you come back with an AI voice of yourself that you can type in a, some sort of text you wanted to say, and it gives it to you, and it sounds pretty good. Um, it sounded a lot like my voice. If, if I were to have played you a sample like that, you, you would have said, hey, that's Shane. Even if you didn't know that it was me playing it for you, you just heard that audio recording, you would know it was me. So it's that good. So we are unfortunately getting to a place that's a lot like sci-fi novels.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not just that we're getting there. I mean, we're already there. I I saw an article about uh, how a few months ago, uh, millions uh, of viewers, I think it was in South Korea. It might've been South America. I can't remember, but they're watching a news show and the the newscaster is a complete AI. Looked like a real person. But you know this is this makes it easier. They don't have to pay, you know, newscasters. They don't have to pay benefits. They don't have HR issues. They just create, you know, what looks like a person, you know, reading a teleprompter. But they don't even need a teleprompter because they've already programmed this AI image to say what they want it to say. And people think it's real news. I mean, you know, we 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 just uh, there's been so many applications of of AI in. The media, new the news world uh, where AI is writing copy, they're creating, as you said, the videos. I mean, it's getting to be uh, where you really won't be able to tell the difference. Now, you and I know because we've we've talked about this before, and we've been awake to kind of the the controlled media for for years., uh, it's nothing new that they're putting out lies and and fake stories. I mean, I can remember back during the first Gulf War, CNN had anchors that they purported to be on the field in uh, Iraq reporting from, you know, the danger zone. Uh, And it came out later, they were literally on the roof of the CNN building in Atlanta with a green screen and, uh, you know, pretending to be in Iraq. And we see this all the time. There have been lots of these that have been exposed with the weathermen who claim to be out in a hurricane but they're really just in a a studio in their office building uh and of course when they're caught red-handed with this stuff they say oh well what we were reporting was true we just didn't want to put our reporters in harm's way so we made it look like they were there but it's fake but now you don't even have to have real people um so I mean, if I'm a news journalist covering AI, I would be quite concerned. As as we talked about a second ago, with every sector of of life right now, they are doing away with the flesh and blood commodity because that's what humanity is to the transhumanists like Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari. That we're just a commodity, and you know Klaus uh, or Yuval Noah Harari has famously talked about how we don't need human beings other than as lab rats in the laboratory. That's almost an exact quote. He said, uh, other than collecting data when we study them, we really don't need most human beings. They've become redundant. So we need to get rid of them. uh, And, and, you know, they're well on their way to doing that, aren't they, with all of this technology?
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the example of the fake or the AI-generated newscaster from a technological standpoint, that'll be a little bit easier uh, version to, to pull off uh, because there's not a lot of movement. You're really dealing with the talking head. So some of the issues I brought up on video where you know the the you know movement and so forth, the need for that more advanced physics model to see how the fabric of their clothes moves and is impacted by wind and the light and things like that goes away because a studio is a radically controlled environment lighting, temperature, everything is controlled. And so it's gonna be much harder for us to see those those differences between what would be a live human traditionally doing a broadcast like that and a generated uh, person, I'll, I'll use that term, uh, delivering the news. I think that's one of the very first things we're gonna see out of this. And when I was talking about job displacement, it's gonna impact uh, newscasters too it's it's not just going to be the like i said the lawyer or the the call center person it's going to be every point in between including things that we would normally never think could be faked like that
0: yeah and it's lies upon lies it's like layers of lies and you don't even know it's, it's not just a simple black and white what's a lie and what's what's the truth but you know we saw an example of this recently with the the big um, Uh, viral video of the Pope uh, dressed up in a Balenciaga outfit or something. And it turns out that was AI generated. And yet for a period of time, the internet was all abuzz, you know, thinking that he was a part of that, you know, satanic ritual abuse, you know, uh, mechanism and scheme that that was exposed some time ago, but it was all fake. So I, I think a lot of what they're going to do is intentionally create fake uh, images and stories, knowing that they're fake, get us to take the bait and then come back and and tell us how stupid we are that we believed it, so that you know we will be less likely to you know believe the real truth when it's out there being exposed by by truth tellers like like you know frankly like you and me and others. Um, then people will be hesitant to believe it, and they're just going to kind of paralyze people's thought processes because they they've been burned and they won't know what's real and what's not. Do you see that as a possible outcome of this?
1: Absolutely. You know, on the, um, not the focus on newscasting, but, um, uh, but it's a, a clearly one of the first applications of the abuse of this kind of technology. Think about what operation mockingbird looks like with this kind of technology.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Yeah, they won't have to get people to read the same script like we've seen. And by the way, folks, we have a chapter on Operation Mockingbird in Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 1. Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 has a couple of chapters on transhumanism. AI. I talk about, uh, I think it was Google's uh, platform called Lambda. I give a, a frightening transcript in there of, of AI that seems to be becoming sentient. Um, so both of those books really touch on this, but it's it's changed so much. I'm, I'm going to be addressing it in much more detail in my forthcoming book that'll hopefully be out by October. But uh, Spirit of the Antichrist.org is where you can go to check out those two latest books, Spirit of the Antichrist.org. But yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing what what they did with so little technology for decades with Operation Mockingbird, which for those who don't know, was a CIA program in which they uh, embedded thousands of CIA agents in print and radio and television media. And this was back in the day before, you know, internet and before you had so many cable stations and things like that. So it was easier to do. And they gave them the talking points. That's where that term comes from, was from the CIA Operation Mockingbird. Um, And they controlled the narrative and they controlled it on on everything, on the JFK assassination, on, you know, every major world... uh, event. I won't mention some of the others because I don't want people to think I'm crazier than they already do, but uh, a lot of things that we take as accepted historical fact uh, are, in fact, not true, um, and this came out. There were hearings during the church committee hearings about it. I've, I've played clips of it. I've got quotes, transcript quotes in uh, the books uh, from the church committee hearings, and they admitted that it was happening. They uh, they they have they brought in, but to testify under oath, presidents of networks, um, They uh, talked to, uh, for example, the the then director of the CIA was George H.W. Bush, and he admitted that they were doing it. But he said, we're going to we're not going to make it mandatory anymore. We're going to make it voluntary, which, of course, is just another way of saying that it continues to this day. Um, You don't have to force. Uh, media institutions to take CIA operatives, if you can incentivize them enough to do so, and you pay them enough money, of course, they're happy to, t- to you know, create the news the way uh, the, you know, globalist agenda wants it to be created. So, uh, yeah, back to to your last comment. I mean, this is Operation Mockingbird on steroids. I mean, they can, they don't have to, I mean, there's no travel involved. There's no human beings involved. There's no you know, what if a human being has a crisis of conscience and decides they don't want to prevent the, present the lies? Now it's all done, basically from a, a server in a warehouse somewhere, right?
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that is is present with most of these applications of this this form of AI here. I want I want to state you know state here that by and large I want to focus today on the LLMs. Um, that 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 side that works with with uh, the, the verbal the language kind of um, problems and solutions. Uh, one of those benefits, but it's also can be used against us, is the speed. So when we spoke last, I was discussing uh, some of the topics I threw to the 3.5 version um, on. I, I think I, in that one of them I was comparing open theism with classical theism something that I didn't think the model would be able to handle. And it did a good job. And and in less than uh, 30 seconds or so, I had a really good start to a paper. Um, If a student had turned that in with footnotes and so forth, um, it would have been an A paper. I would have been pretty impressed with the capabilities of, say, a freshman college student. Um, So that speed at which it was able to do it. So when we talk about something like Operation Mockingbird, of course, I don't have any, any insider knowledge of, of what that process is like, but I'm guessing that whenever the government decides that a certain narrative has to go out, it takes a number of hours for that to make its way out there, as it were, right? It has to be communicated to news sources. They have to look at it. Depending on the time of day, they might have to get a newscaster to come in, get prepared to go on air. You know, there, there's some overhead to it. With this kind of technology, that can be done in seconds. Speed is a big difference, but that's not the part that concerns me when it comes to this form of disinformation. So once the technology, again, is pervasive and we have it um, in our phones, it's reading our emails, reading our text messages, all of that, the AI will learn about us. And it will learn what pushes my buttons versus what pushes your buttons. And then it can uh, take whatever that that narrative is and craft it in a way that's more appealing to me and can craft another version of it that communicates those mm-hmm. core points that the government wants, but craft a version that's more compelling to you. And wow. that is a, that is a very concerning possibility.
0: So uh, connect the dots for us. Uh, you know, I know it's total speculation, but if you were part of the Luciferian agenda, one of Satan's earthly accomplices, trying to take over the world, trying to bring down America, usher in a one-world system, you know, how how might you be able to use something like this to bring on mass deception? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I mean that's the kind of stuff that I that keeps me up at night. Can you think of yeah. an application?
1: I, I, I would, I would. Uh see it happening in a few different ways of course the uh the first one and probably the easiest one is that full digital version of operation Mockingbird um so I would I would uh so if I wanted to implement this first thing I would do is is make that an accepted kind of communication medium I'd probably do it by making it fun so so maybe I don't want to see the human looking newscaster delivering my mail maybe I want it to look like an alien or a a a llama or or whatever right so um so first it'll be kind of a funny thing when things are funny we drop our guard um and then from there i would uh look at controlling um what you find on the internet um you know so so at some point these tools will have that direct capability of going to the internet and pulling up information so Mm -hmm. what if Um, again, because the AI learns what makes me tick, what makes you tick and and others, it could then just, again, very subtly transform whatever that information is from whatever the source is um, to me in a way that manipulates me. One of the big uses that you see touted with these kinds of of, uh, language model AIs is that ability to summarize information. There's so much information out there, we're all pressed for time. So having a a AI like this go out and summarize these 15 articles, um, well, how do I know I'm getting a good summary? How do I know it's not being manipulated to achieve some sort of other goal? So I think that's, that. those are two of the first ways I would do it. Um, I would also not, I would make it super useful at first because for their plans to move forward, we really need to trust this technology. And so I'm going to allow genuinely good things to come from this. I'll give an example. A organization that I really like um, and have been involved with them for a while is called Be My Eyes. Hmm. And so it's an app that somebody who's vision impaired puts in their phone and somebody who's not Vision impaired puts in their phone. And so, in that case, the vision impaired person needs help reading, say, a a label of a product in the supermarket. They can't tell the expiration date, maybe. So, they get on the app and um, the app finds somebody who's available on Be My Eyes and they get to see a, a, a video of whatever the vision impaired person is looking at and can be that person's eyes. Okay, well. Man, that one expires in two weeks, right? You know, you can help people out. Well, they've already announced that they're going to be looking at certain AI technologies so that it doesn't require a person to be the eyes. Wow. AI be the eyes for that person. Mm. And, and that is a a real good thing. You know, that they're, you know, we we should want that kind of technology. The issue is not so much the technology in my mind. I think technology in and of itself is neutral. Um, It's what people do with it. And and so if you step back a little bit from the uh, excitement um, and sometimes misinformation uh, surrounding AI, um, and just look at technology as a whole, Show me one technology that hasn't been used for evil, that isn't being exploited by the enemy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's all, again, Satan taking what God meant for good, going all the way back to the garden and going all the way back to Genesis 1 through 11 and, and distorting everything he created uh, for okay. evil. But explain to me how uh, using this technology, as you just talked about, to control what's in from what information people get on the internet how does that differ from what they're doing today with uh, algorithms and shadow banning and and things like that
1: so the technology we have right now to do that um if i if i were to draw an analogy it's like the difference between doing surgery with a sledgehammer and with a scalpel Hmm. so in that so so for example i have seen in the past how different services have and, and still continue to shadow ban your podcast. Um, but that's kind of a, a at, at a, at a macro level, right? It's it's, we're not going to let not by works show up in the list of podcasts. I'm going to uh, suppress those results for it lower and lower the search engine thing, things like that.
0: Hmm.
1: Whereas, like I said, with this AI, with its ability at some point, To learn what makes me tick versus what you respond to, then it's going to be able to manipulate us in a much more subtle fashion that is much harder for us to detect.
0: I I like that analogy of the sledgehammer versus the scalpel because, you know, obviously anybody that's paying attention already knows that you get targeted ads and, you know, based on your cookies and things you're going to you know, have a, even even based on things like um, Siri and uh, Alexa and all that based on conversations that you have that they pick up and that go into your bit bucket, then later on, you'll log on to your computer and you'll see ads for something you were just talking about. But with this technology, it can be much more targeted, much, you know, really really can zero right in on something they're trying to do to manipulate you in a specific situation in a specific time, right?
1: Absolutely. Wow. So for example, it it could learn that uh, by nature, I tend to be a skeptical person. And so it could present information to me in a way that is more likely to convince and at a speed that is more likely to convince a skeptical person of whatever it is they're trying to hmm. uh, get me to believe versus somebody else. Uh, somebody else might need things to be presented in a humorous way. For hmm. some people, that's very compelling. So so that's a huge difference uh, from, from the present level of technology.
0: Wow. Just, uh, I mean, it's like we're living inside, you know, Orwell's book 1984. I mean, it's yeah. these are things that are happening and and it would be pretty easy to become overwhelmed uh, by them uh in a moment I'll give just sort of some encouragement about you know where God's word fits into all this and why certainly we should not be fearful but um just want to you know go down the road of a little bit of, of more concerns uh for a moment what are some other technological issues aside from maybe AI and I know AI is really kind of the prevailing, thing right now that has its tentacles and everything but are there other technological issues on the horizon that concern you or that that you think might somehow fit into Bible prophecy? well
1: so so I think we're in a building phase right now for this technology to to be both pervasive and powerful enough to be used to exploit on a global scale so uh so I'd say three three big areas probably. Uh, the first one is that new AI software models are continuing to be developed, they'll improve, uh, the performance will go up, the cost will go down, which is pretty normal in technology. Um, so, so those barriers to entry and those barriers to use will uh, will be minimized. Uh, we're seeing new hardware optimized for AI. So, so we'll, we'll see, again, increased performance for that. Uh, so, so those are two big areas. We're going to see some some hardware released in the course of the next year. That's going to open up a whole new level of performance for AI. That um, ag- again, at a cost that is, is is very doable. That we just can't imagine right now. And and I and I guess the area that has me the most concerned at the moment, and we, and we've already touched upon this, is that area of deep fakes. Hmm. The, We we are truly entering into some kind of dystopian sci-fi world here. I think of the stuff by the sci-fi writer Philip K. Dick, which seemed um, so science fiction-y not that many decades ago, is a very real possibility. Uh, An example of that would be uh, the movie that was uh, based upon some of his work called The Running Man, starred Arnold Schwarzenegger where before the term deep fake was around they were showing that kind of technology used to where people would watch the news think something was happening right because they saw the video they they heard the sound they you know everything looked real but it was actually um, fake it wasn't hmm. you know it wasn't the the principal character i can't remember his name in the movie but it wasn't the principal character that did it it was a digital fake Um, So that ability to not be able to tell reality from virtual reality is a huge, huge concern, should be for everybody.
0: Yeah, and they're monetizing this. I mean, they're they're marketing it. I, I, BBC ran an article about a company called Deep Nostalgia, in which they, you know, they they offer deep fake tools to reanimate the dead. I mean, literally, you can you can have your ancestors come back to life and have conversations with them. Uh, it's a tool called My Heritage, or that's maybe that's the name of the company, um, but the technology is called Deep Nostalgia. So, I mean, and then you know, you've got uh, just the, 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 queen, uh, giving, uh, a fake messages, you know, again, all created by artificial intelligence. So, um, yeah, it's just like you, you get to where you wonder, um, uh, what's, what's actually real foot. It's changing the entire, you know, photography and videography, uh, uh, you know, world. I mean, even most movies today are using, um, uh, what's called uh, what CGI computer graphical images or something like that, where you what you see is crowds in the background actually aren't real extras anymore; they're just cr- created on the computer. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you right there. I'll go go continue.
1: Yeah, so so you know, so a whole area of what we'd call you know deep fakes right now are going to be a significant unraveling of the way life works for us in that mm-hmm. um a will again i think we'll go through this process where what comes out will primarily be used to build trust um, but then um, as different agendas come into place um we will be manipulated in ways that we really can't detect mm-hmm. it'll be that proverbial frog in the kettle that's being boiled slowly so right now, when we talk about things like the current state, or or in you know recent years, um, you know that state, you know, the use of algorithms to manipulate search results, things like that, um, those were easier to detect. Um, you know that was more like the frog getting thrown straight into the hot water and it jumps <laughs> out. But what's what's coming because it's going to be so subtle, and again, it's there twenty four by seven. It's there in the background. It's learning and it's adapting for each person at some point. That's going to be where it's almost impossible for us to detect.
0: So I get lots of emails and I do want to wrap up here because we're kind of coming up to the end of the time. And I know I want to respect your time, but I get tons of emails now, spam, from companies offering to use ai i mean they they stated plainly in the email to do things like write web content or write devotionals for me uh pastors are using ai now to write sermons uh i mean should we uh, and yet as you say there are certain um uh, you know a- uh, applications of this that are a good thing for example in the music industry writing uh musical uh background music for your radio show, for example. If you use an AI tool, then you avoid paying copyrights and so forth. You just create an original score. Um, And so I'm not sure there's anything wrong with that and and could be some benefits to that. But I guess given all this, should we steer clear of offers to use that technology, uh, knowing where it's headed? I mean, how do we navigate these changing times?
1: That that's a great question. I, of course, reserve the right to change <laughs> my answers um, on this. Um I I guess right now I, I don't really have a great answer to that question. Things that certainly bother me that I think are uh deceptive in nature isn't that that aspect of using an AI to generate background music. Um it's not it's not that issue of and you can have an AI create images for a blog topic, for example. That doesn't throw me at all. Now, when it's writing content, things that i I really do expect um a human to generate, a and B are central to whatever that type of communication is. So be it, uh, it could be you know a voice, it could be a blog article, whatever it is. That's what concerns me. It, it's that um, that decoupling of information from a human source, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, you're right in terms of imagery. Like, you know, right now, obviously, at Not But Works Ministry, we we've we've grown, we've expanded, we put out a lot of content. I write, um, you know, devotionals. Uh, Try to write one every week, but when my schedule is such that I'm on the road or I'm I'm slammed, I I don't uh, I'm not able to do that. But uh, for example, I might mention just yesterday, I put out an article entitled "God Sees Them Too," and uh, I encourage you to check that out. It's a short devotional article on our website. But uh, anyway, we have hired my daughter Brooke. Uh, who used to be a school teacher, now she came on board here working for us, and she's a, a graphic artist. I mean, she's an incredibly gifted artist. All of my children are. I've got, you know, incredible musicians and artists uh, among our our six children. They're just, just we're so blessed with their capabilities. But she's really gifted at that. So when I write an article, I say, hey, I need a graphic to put with this blog or this devotional on our website. I give her the. The article, and she comes up with a graphic, and she does that for sermons. I tell her what my sermon uh, d- title and and theme is going to be, and she creates a background uh, template for my uh, powerpoints, for my conference presentations, for just just about all of that. So, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, what's the difference between? sending Brooke a text or walking into the next room and saying, hey, this is what I need versus using an automated tool. Uh, what I hear you saying is probably nothing. I mean, that's just a, a sort of a benign application of this technology. But obviously, it goes much, much deeper than that, right?
1: Yeah, for for, for me, I think that distinction there is, in the case of your blog article, the image is not central to what you're trying to do. It, it's, you know, it, it's a an enhancement maybe we could think of it that way but but the image is not that central vehicle for communicating those ideas so that doesn't bother me at all now if the ai wrote your blog article and it was presented <laughs> as being from the not by works ministry or even worse being from you that's a huge uh, yeah. issue
0: over my dead body. <laughs> I uh, I tell you what, I mean, I could remember back in the day, you'll remember this too, uh, before all this technology, when they had a a, a tool called SermonCentral.com, and uh, pastors would go just download their sermons, you know, they weren't creating sermons, they were plagiarizing other people's sermons, but I just, uh, boy, uh, first of all, I love the Word of God too much. I love diving into it. Uh, I did some work last night on next week's message from Acts chapter 27. And I just, I love interacting with the text. But uh, no, the day that I subcontract out to content creation to some uh, Luciferian technology, uh, that's not going to happen. Absolutely.
1: And (laughs) and even if it wasn't, you know, quote, Luciferian technology, end quote, um, even if it was, you know, a, a tool that you were running in your own office, had no connection to the outside world, um, I would still be concerned there's something missing from that. Uh, we are expecting human communication, human insights, and I know there are researchers who would uh, just look down on what I, I, I said as, as saying that it's somehow not human insights because of the, the, the data that was trained on was produced by humans but um i i truly don't think it's the same thing especially as we get into uh, areas of 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 religion um i don't believe for a moment that a ai can can write a sermon that will move people's hearts like a pastor could right somebody who's working with the holy spirit right is 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 living in submission to the word of god and 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 to uh uh, the Holy Spirit there to produce those sermons. Um, I, I think that's going to be an area of concern. Uh, and and I, and I you know related to that, you know, the deep fakes uh, would be one thing, but I could also see these deep fakes being applied to the area of praise music. Yeah. Um, with what we've accepted as as music in in recent years, praise music in recent years, I could see that becoming a very spiritually sterile and kind a of place
0: And not only spiritually sterile, but spiritually dangerous because uh, obviously we don't have time to unpack it right now, but the the uh, the connection between the physiology and the the music and the beat and you know it's a very emotional uh, uh, tool anyway, you know music is. Uh, you could actually influence people's thoughts and behaviors just through the music itself. So, yeah. yeah. So definitely uh, something to think about. Well, any closing thoughts from you before I wrap up with uh, just a few scriptures to kind of, kind of get us back off the ledge a little bit?
1: Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to talk again before long. the The rate of change is stunning. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, just how much we and we mentioned this at the beginning, just how much things have changed in just a few weeks since since we last talked. Um, I'm expecting in, you know. Two or three weeks, us uh, to see additional improvements that that make whatever we're discussing right now seem a little bit outdated. And once we see GPT five, which very well could be this calendar year, that, but you know, given the step up from three point five to four, I'm thinking that the step from four to five is going to be uh, on the verge of earth shattering and and mm. I, and I don't mean to use hyperbolic language there, but I don't know a different way of expressing it. Wow. Uh, this truly is going to shake up everything. Um, i um uh, I'm deeply concerned about our society and economic system changing in a way that is not beneficial for most people mm. And um and 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 then, you know once you're in that level of societal disruption, it opens up, you know, which, which is way beyond what we could discuss today, opens up so many other avenues for oppression and manipulation that um, I, I just uh, don't have have words for it outside of come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's hey,
0: Amen. Maranatha. Well, Shane, thank you so much. We definitely will do this again. Let's not wait as long this time. Uh, we'll talk offline and maybe put something on the calendar uh, in the next couple of weeks. But always, uh, a blessing, uh, just a wealth of knowledge and perspective. I appreciate your heart and your balanced perspective, and, uh, you know, uh, it's just a blessing. So uh, I want to just wrap up by by pointing to a couple of passages of Scripture. First of all, you know, why does all of this matter? Well, it matters because, as I've been talking about for, for years now, but particularly in earnest the last few years, uh, the stage is being set for the return of the Lord. The closer we get to the rapture, and the end times events that follow the rapture, the more we're going to see uh, the the setting of the stage for biblical prophecy. We're going to see things like Israel becoming a nation, as I talked about uh, recently in my article, The Fog is Lifting. We're going to see, um, you know, technology that could serve as the mark of the beast. We're going to see things happening that easily could lead to the fulfillment of, of end times prophecies. That's just following the admonition of scripture as Jesus said in Matthew 16 to look at the signs of the times and that's what we're doing and these signs to me all indicate that we are very very ever so close to the return of Christ. Again, I I'm not setting a date. We we should not do that, but you'd have to be really naive not to to be concerned about what uh, these what 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 what's happening. Now, uh, as believers, this is exciting because you know, we are eagerly waiting for the return of our Lord, as the scripture says. We, we can't wait to, for that blessed hope to meet the Lord in the air, uh, to be reunited with our loved ones that have died before us and to see Jesus face to face. We can't wait for that. And so it's an exciting time to be alive. But it's also a time to be wise and be prepared, as Proverbs 22, 3 says, because if the Lord tarries is coming and he decides not to, you know, come back in our lifetime, because, you know, I believe the overarching principle there is 2 Peter 3 and 9, that he's not willing that any should perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. He wants to give people more time to change their mind and come to faith in Christ. Uh, so if the Lord doesn't come back soon, we could find ourselves living in this type of Philip K. Dick dystopian, you know, world that we talked about on today's program. So we need to you know, be wise, have the tools, you know, be prepared to 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 deal with it and and know what's coming. So um, I just want to, you know, leave our listeners with some encouragement that none of this should catch us off guard because Scripture clearly says that many antichrists have come, uh, 1 John 2, 18, or 1 John 4, 3, that, you know, the spirit of the antichrist is already at work in the world today. So these types of things are to be expected, and and they're not new, by the way. Satan's been working hard in earnest the last 2,000 years since Calvary when he received his mortal wound to try to, you know, pave the way for him to take over the world. And it's all going to climax in that final seven-year period that the Bible calls the tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble, the overflowing scourge, the 70th week of Daniel, that final, you know, seven-year period plan that Daniel outlines in his 490-year uh, big-picture plan. So uh, all of this is leading up to that seven-year period, and uh, even though we won't be here during the tribulation, we could actually absolutely be living through all of the precursors to it, and indeed, that's what's happening right now. So I would just encourage folks to be awake. You know, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, and verse 6 it reminds us, and I, I usually put this verse in all of my inscriptions when I sign uh, the Spirit of the Antichrist books, but it reminds us that, brethren, you are not in darkness, that this day should overtake you as a thief talking about the day of the Lord, the future return of Christ to establish His kingdom, and and the day of the Lord encompasses that seven-year tribulation, the day of the Lord's wrath, it's called. But that day is not going to catch us off guard because Paul says, we are sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, because of this, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And I hope you're watching and being sober. And you know, as we think about this blurring of the distinction between truth and fiction, uh, the way you can hedge yourself against that deception is to know the truth. And first of all, that means knowing Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you're listening to this podcast today, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, I implore you to do that today. The only hope that you have for overcoming the penalty of sin, being reconciled to a holy God, and having eternal life is to place your faith in the one who took your penalty on the cross, rose from the dead, as we just celebrated yesterday, defeated death, and offers to all who will trust in Him the gift of eternal life. I hope you'll trust Him today. He is the truth. And for those who've already trusted Christ, we need to get to know the truth. We need to get into the Word of God, study it, Uh, like there's no tomorrow, because there may not be. And we want to be able to have a template for understanding the truth so that when we hear and see and come across deception, it will be glaring, it will be obvious. Uh, So we need more believers today to get back into uh, the Word of God and to study it. So uh, thanks again, Shane, for for being with us today, and uh, we will have you back on again soon. And to the rest of our listeners, I encourage you to come out uh, tomorrow night for Prophecy Night, either joining us by live stream at 6 o'clock Mountain or in person at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, uh, the Denver metro area. But until then, uh, we will talk again soon as we have several podcasts uh, lined up for later this week. But thanks again, Shane. God bless you, my friend.
1: God bless you.